the Oklahoma City Thunder are declaring themselves as a postseason team after this critical win over the Phoenix Suns at home on Sunday. SGA drops 40 points and why the Thunder are looking more and more like a postseason team all coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Me member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. On today's show, Locked On Thunder. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. We're going to dive into the season-defining win by the Oklahoma City Thunder SGA Drops 40 points. Lou Dort once again comes alive in the third quarter. And Josh Giddy continues to be efficient as a scorer in this game. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. Let's start it. It's a Sunday afternoon game. Told you things can get weird on a Sunday afternoon. Obviously, you know, no Chet Holmgren. Uh, Jared Butler and Pokashevsky both were with the G League team. Pokashevsky will be there at least one more game as the Blue go take on the South Bay Lakers, as the Thunder are also in L.A. Keep an eye on that. Kenny Hustle out for the year as well, as you know. For the Suns, they didn't have DeAndre Ayton, and they didn't have Kevin Durant. They also didn't have Saban Lee. But other than that, they were healthy, and they were in this game. And the Thunder declared themselves. It's, it's awfully funny how everything that Sam Presti has talked about, has predicted, has mentioned, has, to this point, came true. This Thunder team is declaring themselves, and the Thunder are letting them declare themselves. If the season ended today, which is no longer a small sample size, we only have like 12 games left of the season, the Thunder would be the eighth seed. The Thunder are 35-36, and a half game out of the seventh seed, Two and a half games out of the fifth seed and a game away from the sixth seed with a tiebreaker over Dallas who currently holds that sixth seed. It is within the realm of possibility that the Thunder avoid the play-in altogether in a positive way. Over the last 10 games, the Thunder are 7-6. and six. OKC is a full game up of LA and New Orleans. And they are four games up on Portland. The Thunder are 22-15 and at home, and the crowd tonight was spectacular. 97% capacity, and you felt each and every one of them. Every player and Mark talked about how important and how critical that crowd was tonight, and you felt it. There were moments in this game where they truly changed the game. And Mark put it best, the Thunder need that from this point forward. It's critical that they get that from this point forward. So no matter how this West Coast trip goes, welcome them back next week against Charlotte and get ready for what looks to be a playoff push. Sure, the Thunder struggle on the road. They're 13-21 and on the road. But the only team coming into tonight in the West who had an above 500 record on the road 
was the Sacramento Kings. And then tonight, the Clippers went and downed Portland, and they went one game up of 500. And by the way, unlike some of these other Western Conference teams, the Thunder have a legitimate excuse, if you'd like to call it that, by being the second youngest roster ever assembled in the history of this game. The second youngest roster in the history of basketball. Only more experienced than last year's Thunder team. That's the only team that they clear in the experience pool. And they just came back to beat the Suns after getting down 15 points. A game that only saw two lead changes and one time. This game felt like that Raptors game. Came out, uh, you know, and unlike the Raptors game, this game they came out a little sloppy, a little... Um, not necessarily sleepwalking, but just not on point. And Mark talked about how it was kind of off kilter to start this game. And then every run that the Thunder went on, the Thunder get it down to four points, get it down to five points, two possession game. Almost immediately, they the Thunder scrapping and clawing their way back in it. And then boom, the Suns swell that lead back up to 10, 15 points. Almost immediately. And it felt like this was going to be a game much like Toronto where the Thunder are just kept at an arm's length. But instead, this Thunder team overcame the Suns. They beat them on Sunday afternoon. Because remember, after the Toronto game, the discourse on social media was that the sky was falling. The Thunder are going to go 0-4 their next four games. Well, they've already won once. The Thunder won the rebounding battle by four, po- by four rebounds. They still uncharacteristically had one more turnover than their opponent, uh, in this case, the Suns. The Thunder scored 56 points in the paint compared to just 40 for the Suns. OKC had more second-chance points, 14-7, to and were a plus 10 in fast-break points. The Thunder shot 50, 39, and 80. The Suns shot 47, 41, and 70. And perhaps the biggest moment of all of this is that the Thunder went on their run where they finally did get over the hump, where they finally did close the gap, where they finally did tie it and take the lead. They did that without SGA on the floor. And then SGA comes in and he closes the game. They overcame a slow start in an afternoon game against the Suns. That's really, really impressive. And I've been saying this for a month now, but this time it's the most legitimate it's ever been. You look at this Thunder resume, okay, and slap any other organization's name on it almost. Like, if you took the Thunder's data, if you took their resume, their roster, just a blind roster test, no logos associated, no name associated, and then you put the Lakers branding on it, people would be falling all over themselves to crown the Thunder as a postseason team, to compliment what they've done this season. But instead, there's some reservation. This Thunder team is a postseason team. The other shoe's not going to drop. They'll play a game after Easter. They'll play a game after April 9th. That game against the Grizzlies, April 9th, the the season finale, will only be a finale for the regular season. If this team continues to play this way. And look, they have an upcoming stretch that's very tough. At the Clippers... Day off at the Clippers, back-to-back at the Lakers, and then they go to Portland. Well, if Portland keeps losing 
And by the way, Portland, with only 12 games left, is pretty much buried. Whenever you look at the standings and see how far they are away, four games and twelve, four games back with only 12 games left, that's not great. They'll likely be done with playing Dame at that point. And if they're not, to this point, it hasn't mattered. Like, like the Thunder have already clinched the tiebreaker for Portland. They've already beaten the Portland Trailblazers twice, three times, including once in Portland. So, yeah, they're going to have to win a tough game or two between, you know, the Clippers, Clippers, Lakers, Portland. But then, even if they only win one, their next wave of games is the Hornets, Pistons, and Pacers. It's all lining up for them. It's all out in front of them. And the Thunder should be playing a game after April 9th. And that's really cool. And that's really fun. And as a fan base, collectively, I can't blame you for being super duper duper excited about what this future holds when you factor in that throughout this two-year rebuild, where you've you've took the blows, you you've you've absorbed the punches from the national media, you've absorbed all the trash talk from other fan bases, you've 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 witnessed all the pearl clutching going on about this Thunder rebuild. And throughout the entirety of this rebuild, which has only lasted two years. They'd get back to the postseason faster than Memphis did, and Memphis is the is the golden child of rebuilds up until the last couple of months. You know, they get there faster than Memphis if they can get there this year. You witness all of that, and yet, and yet, the highest draft pick from this rebuild has not stepped on an NBA floor yet. So, if you are over the moon excited about this Thunder future, I can't blame you because I am too. It is it it is remarkable how great the future is, but the present is also pretty good. The present is also pretty good. I know it would be tough to do because you're a Thunder fan, you've watched every Thunder game, you understand what the resume is, but but if you have some free time today, I would seriously go and take away your preseason expectations, take away what you thought about these the, all these teams preseason, and just look at the facts of what's happened this year and what's happened throughout almost an 82-game sample size. And tell me the Thunder are not the better team than a lot of these teams that they're chasing and a lot of the teams that are chasing them. I just find it hard to believe, which it's not impossible, but I do find it hard to believe, that the Thunder will not at least hold on to a top 10 seed in the West. And as I mentioned before, this team is feeling it. This team is is really coming together both on and off the floor. This fan base starting to wake up a little bit. That was the best crowd of the season. And I would imagine it's going to continue to grow because that was the best crowd of the season after a tough loss in Toronto. So I imagine what happens in the West coast trip, it's going to continue to grow. Fans are finally waking up to, to how good this team is and, and, and how fun they are to watch. It, it's legitimately possible. That they can make it out of the play in, in a positive way where they can be a six seed where they can be a, 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 a team that doesn't have to win to get in. They can just be in the actual literal playoffs and secure themselves a best of, you know, four best of seven series. And that's fun, especially this soon, especially after everything that this fan base has had to endure from uh, the national media to get to this point. Coming up, we'll talk about SGA and how remarkable he was down the stretch of that game. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Price Picks. Folks, Go to prizepicks.com or download the Prize Picks app. Use the code LOCKEDON. 
100% deposit match up to $100 when you go there right now. Listen, this is going to be an awesome app, an awesome game and format for you to use because it's just you versus the projected numbers. You pick two to six players. You predict will they score more or less than their prize pick projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. So you don't have to worry about all the sharks out there that do this for a living and they're experts on gambling. It's just you versus the projected numbers. And you can do this across every sport, NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's and women's college basketball, WNBA, soccer, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Eurobasket, and cricket, and more. Plus, entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's safe, secure, fast withdrawals, and currently operational in over 30 states plus Canada. So download the Prospects app. Go to Prospects.com right now and get started with Daily Fantasy Sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the code locked on. That's 100% Instant deposit match up to $100 at prize picks when you use our code locked on. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles, and we're going to talk about SGA. Listen, this is for Joe Mazzotto out there. SGA is a PTP. What does that mean? He's a primetime player, baby. SGA, the PTP. I mean, SGA, he was awesome tonight with a capital A. SGA, PTP. 35 points, five rebounds, four assists, a steal. I'm sorry, 40 points in this game, obviously. 40 points, five rebounds, four assists, a steal. 50% from the floor. His game where he drops 40 points, did not include a three-pointer and did include three missed free throws. It could have been an even bigger scoring net from him had he just knocked down those free throws. Plus 10 in this game. He had defenders hitting the floor as he was dazzling our eyes with his offense. A few slam dunks in this one. He had that buzzer beater layup and one to end the third, which really sparked some things. And double-digit points. In the first quarter, in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, 10 points. First quarter, 13 points. And I think that the most important part of this game is not the offensive stuff that we've seen every single night, but it continues to be the defense, which has sneakily, for the most part, gone under the radar of how good he's been as a defender. But in the fourth quarter, he let the game come to him. And there were moments, I, I don't think it was as bad as what people we're making it out to be in the in the moment of the game, in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the battle. But there were some moments where um, SGA might have pressed or tried to do too much or, or, or took a matchup too personally or or was just trying to get everything back in one possession. Like, there were some moments like that. I wouldn't say it was overwhelming. I wouldn't say it was even worth condemning. But there were some moments like that. And in the fourth quarter, he kind of snapped out of it. He, he kind of let the game come to him, and he was doing it on both ends, offensively and defensively. He guards Devin Booker down the stretch of this game and performs extremely well. He drew an illegal screen in this game also at the end against uh, Torrey Craig. He did everything on the floor. He did everything that there was to do. And when you have a star like SGA, 
you can win any game. You can win any series. You can do anything. Folks, don't let revisionist history fool you when I say this. And don't hear this as me saying this is for sure going to happen. This is just me putting into context what superstars can do and what guys who are having superstar seasons can do. The Atlanta Hawks went to the Eastern Conference Finals completely and totally unexpectedly because for a moment in time, for a playoff series, for multiple playoff series, obviously, for a playoff run, Trey Young was unstoppable. Trey Young was jaw-dropping immaculate. When you have a guy like Trey Young, when you have a guy like Luka Doncic, when you have a guy like SGA, when you have a 30-plus point-per-game score who does it efficiently, who does it relentlessly, who does it among any type of defense, against anybody, anywhere, anytime, when you have those guys, you can win games. When you have those guys, the possibility of a massive run is there. The possibility of overcoming anything is there. You need one of those guys at least to make those things happen. Now, here's the flip side of that coin. For the Thunder specifically, those things are going to be more up in the air, more fluid, more, more dependent on a lot of different things because you're relying so much on so many young players. Like for SGA, he can be spectacular in the first round and he can look like Ja did his first year. Remember Ja's first year in the playoffs? Survives the play-in, goes to Utah, dominates against the Jazz, has those highlight dunks driving baseline. But the, but the Grizzlies lost in five games, six games, I think, that they might have pushed it to. And they got bounced. But Ja was still awesome. And that was an awakening of, of John Morant stands, and that led us to believe how bright their future is. And we know what they did last year, and we know what they were primed to do this year until adversity struck. Self-inflicted, obviously. So this, this playoff run can go one of two ways, but one thing's for certain, SGA is going to dominate. That's been tried and true for an 82-game sample size. Because you got to remember, he was doing this after the All-Star break last year. And at the time, we said, well, too small of a sample size. Can't judge it off that. He's going to come back down to earth a little bit, but even a small regression still is a great thing for SGA. Still should be a first-time All-Star. He didn't take a small regression. He took a massive leap. He took an All-NBA leap. He should be on the All-NBA team this year. And when you have an All-NBA guy, everything's in front of you. When you have a ptp you can win a playoff series. You can win two. You can win a couple. You can steal a game on the road against a, a, a much better team on paper. When you have one of those guys. And the Thunder do. And to reference, tie it all back to the first segment, there's reason to believe that the Thunder could already have two of those guys. Three of those guys. And who knows what the possibility is moving forward. But, but games like this, show you that you for sure have won. And with the right breaks and the right scenario, it only takes the one. And I, I, I'd say that not to lead you to believe that the Thunder can go on a magical run like those Hawks did, but to at least allow yourself the 
break. Allow yourself the courtesy to just sit back and relax. Don't worry about, are they going to get in? Are they not going to get in? Don't worry about, well, if they get in and they get bounced in the playing tournament, what was it all for? Or, or how many games can they realistically win? Should they just take, don't, don't worry about all that. Just sit back and see what happens because they might surprise you. They have to this point. We'll talk about the Thunder coming up. We'll talk about Josh Giddy performing exceptionally well. Lou Dort coming alive in the third quarter as well in this one. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Nissan Aria. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Folks, the player of the week has to be SGA. He's a PTPer. He's electric. He's brilliantly fierce. He's fiercely elegant. He is stunningly powerful and elegantly powerful, just like the 2023 Nissan Aria, which packs a pin you to your seat punch with premium intelligence all in one EV. It's all new. It's all electric. It's the 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. You can shop now at NissanUSA.com. It's NissanUSA.com. By going there right now, you'll see the Nissan Aria. And you should be seeing our Nissan Aria Player of the Week in SGA perform. It's going to be a fun road trip. And Mark has kind of hinted at maybe he manages these back-to-backs differently uh, on the road because they're such critical games and you find ways to sneak him rest elsewhere um, you know, in the future, who knows? Who knows what can happen? But I will tell you this. Historically, in that building, in L.A., SGA is otherworldly. And against that Clippers team, historically, SGA plays exceptionally well. And you get to watch him play in that building at least twice, maybe three times. So enjoy it this week. Enjoy the Nissan Aria. Player of the Week. I also want to tell you, my good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, and you can vote in the March Madness bracket. Folks, you know my favorite flavor. I've been talking about Built Bars for a very long time. You know my favorite flavor is cookies and cream. I pass them out to the beat. We're in media dining. I'm sneaking them Built Bars saying, hey, hey, try this, try this. And they love it. They're loving it. Everyone on the beat loves Built Bars. Trust me, don't ask. Built.com, go over there and find my personal favorite, cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut marshmallow, brownie batter chunk, salted caramel, peanut butter brownie. They have so many great options. My favorite, cookies and cream. Can't go wrong there. Try it out today. Pro tip, put them in the refrigerator. I love them that way too. Go over there right now. Vote cookies and cream in the tournament. That's who I got. That's my Cinderella story. We're sticking with cookies and cream all the way. Built.com. Promo code lock 15. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you. Talking Thunder Basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. Ever. Ever. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan House. Now, Lou Dort. Came alive in the third quarter again. There's just something about Lou Dort on the third week of March in 2023 in the third quarter at Paycom Center that is immaculate. 20 points, 20 points, three rebounds and assists. Four for six from three. Seven for 11 overall. 
Two for two at the line, clutch free throws, won the game at the end. In that third quarter, Lou Dort hit three threes. And Lou Dort continues to shoot over 40% in the corner on three-pointers. In this game, the Suns weren't respecting that enough. First play out of the shoot, the Suns uh, looked at Jay Will. He was, he was in the slot playmaking, uh, kind of doing his little thing where, where he holds the ball way out uh, on his outside hip. Uh, and then Devin Booker tried to sneak up there and, and go rob him of, of the ball. Jay Will, always aware, always in control, fires it over to Dort, wide open in the corner. He missed the shot. But that is a high-quality shot. That is an example of whenever you hear Thunder people say process over results, that's an exceptional process that will eventually lead to results. Because Lou Dort, throughout his entire career, has always been a really good corner shooter. Like th- that, is a, that is a big sample size that he is legitimately good in the corner as an NBA shooter. So you will take that every single time. And if, and if defenses are going to stop, you know, respecting it, so to say, then you need to put him there even more because he has bucked the trend uh, 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 of being a bad shooter in the corner. I thought the door also was a really good decision maker in this game. Um, I, I thought that he was a really good decision maker going to the rim, which he's been all year long. He also had an and one. And I am fully on board if you want to say and cast off Lou Dort as a bad rim finisher. I'm fully on board with that. Like, I think that you're well within your right. I think that you're probably going to be right. I think that in all likelihood, Lou Dort will be a bad rim finisher his entire career because that's what the numbers suggest. He's gotten worse his entire career. The only caveat to that that I would offer, the only reason I would say give it one more year is because... This is the first time we've seen improvement from him as a rim decision maker, which he pointed out that would happen at media day. He said, I've gotten a lot better making decisions at the rim. But remember, last summer, he couldn't necessarily go full force dealing with that shoulder injury, that shoulder surgery. So if he is, you know, he truly did get better as a rim decision maker. And if he's truly going to work on rim finishing this this summer as a fully healthy individual with his incredible frame, I think that he can improve it because he's fully healthy and because the last summer they said he's going to work on it, he actually did improve in some aspect. But again, again, if I had to bet money, if I had to bet my physical bottom dollar, if he was going to or not going to, I would say no. But I would just say uh, that's something to look forward to in the future. And Lou Dort was really good tonight. Um, and he's a guy that's gotten a lot of uh, heat from myself, from others, from everybody, about how bad he's been at, at certain points of the season. Uh, but I'll always fall back on. He has a legitimate role in this team in the future because of the fact that this this team will be better built around him, better optimized around him uh, moving forward. And there's still a little bit of hope uh, about the improvement in those areas because of the reasons that I've stated. Uh, Aaron Wiggins. Look, I don't know what it's going to take, how many data points it's going to take, how many lineups it's going to take, how many um, circumstantial evidence it's going to take, whatever it is, to get Wiggins a full-time rotational spot, but it needs to happen. Mark talked after the game how, you know, this team needed a defensive spark, energy, needed all that stuff that he knew Wiggins would provide, so he threw him in the fourth quarter after not playing the entire game. He plays the entire fourth quarter, and within that frame, the most important quarter of the game, the most important stretches of the game, and a lot of this, again, you know, some of this, again, without Shea, Wiggins scores seven points, swipes two steals, gets two rebounds, goes three for four, the tough room finish in transition, and an and one in 12 minutes. And the defense is real for him. He can switch. Uh, he can defend as a point of attack guy. 
He can get out with steals and get in transition. And in transition, he's an excellent player. Like the, the numbers say that, and the eye test says that he's an excellent player in transition. Like today, going in transition, SGA is next to him, and and you could kind of tell Chris Paul was was kind of gearing up, backing up to to defend SGA, thinking, hey, every Thunder player is just gonna get, it's just gonna panic in transition and throw Shea the ball whenever he's standing right next to him. I'm gonna go defend Shea. And Wiggins is like, nah, like I got it. Like I'll just lay it up. It's no big deal. And so then you're late to react, and then you foul him, and it's an and one, and then the Thunder have a huge swing. Like Wiggins is such a polished player and such a winning player. Like it, it just is what it is at this point. He makes a winning impact night in and night out. And at some point, that has to be rewarded with the consistent minutes. Like he, he and that has to be rewarded with consistent bulk minutes. And I understand the development stuff. I understand um, trying different things. I understand all of that. But at some point, you've tried all of that, and it's all rode back to Wiggins. All roads lead back to Wiggins being a guy that truly impacts winning and truly impacts helping you uh, become a better basketball team. And so I think that this could be a game that's a turning point with uh, his minutes. I'd be very interested to see moving forward. Uh, Josh Giddy played great tonight. A great inbound pass to SGA for a slam, 16 points. Had some really aggressive takes, which I liked. Also, but, but did not bail on the floater. And that's one of the key things for him. To me, one of the things that stand out about Josh Giddy, as he's only 20 years old, as he's you know in year two of the NBA, he, you've seen him improve in areas. He's improved as a as a sele- shot selector from beyond the arc, which has helped his uh, percentage go up. He's improved as a passer, as a ball handler. Um, you know, he's always been in the lead as a passer, but as a, as a ball handler, as a dribbler, he's improved, which helps his passing and his playmaking off of that. Uh, and he's improved getting a full head of steam going to the rack, but has not ditched the floater. Oftentimes young guys, when they need to correct something, they may be overcorrect for a little bit of time or, or maybe their entire rest of their career. We're like, okay, you've told me all summer, I've got to stop kind of short-arming it, kind of, kind of got to stop uh, uh, not going all the way to the rack. This year, I'm only going to go full head of steam into the rack. I'm only going to go all the way to the rack. No, he's done a great delicate balance of, hey, sometimes I still need my floater, which is really good. My floater is really good in a, in a weapon for me, but there's a lot of times where I don't need it. And I think that Josh has not lost his floater while also maintaining his aggression. And that's that's hard to do. That's a hard balance to master at age 20. That's a hard balance to master whenever your entire first year and your first offseason has been spent working with you on how to get better at attacking the rim. He's gotten stronger. Uh, he's gotten more aggressive. And it was clearly a point of emphasis while also emphasizing not losing that floater, which is going to help him in so many ways. As a score and a passer, we mentioned the lobs, now, granted, Josh, admittedly himself, is not a good lob passer, and, and and he needs to work on that to allow that to to allow that floater to become a tree where you can branch off of that tree and find all these different avenues where he can be effective from it. But still, uh, that that avenue is there. Uh, really good tonight for Josh Giddy in 32 minutes. Jay Will played really good, 10 points, six rebounds, one miss. He was two for three overall, which all his shots came from beyond the arc uh, and allowed the Thunder to get this massive win against the Suns. MVP of the game, SGA. SGA is awesome. Let me know in the comment section down below. What do you think about this Thunder win? What do you think will happen for the rest of the season? And what are you excited about for the future? So a lot to answer down in the comment section. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms and on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube, please. Follow me on Twitter. It's right there, at RylanDarsWestDiles. And until tomorrow, because we're here every single day, be good and be good to one another.